Well, it really is a privilege uh, to be here with you guys today. And uh, it seems like every time I come, there's more people here. That's awesome. And uh, there's new faces here, which is exciting too. Um, I'm not sure whether I have a whole lot to add after Linda and Vendetta just does such a great job kind of unpacking God's word for us already today, but uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do. Um, uh, but right now, would you bow your heads and would you pray together with me? Yes. Lord God, I pray that the words I'm about to speak today and the thoughts that we think as together we meditate on your word for us, Lord, I pray that that would all be truly acceptable in your sight, O God, who's indeed um, our rock and our Redeemer, uh, the source of everything that is good in our lives. Amen. So uh, as you've heard, we're starting this new series uh, that we're calling Mirror, Mirror. And uh, I want to give you just a little bit of context for this series, where it kind of comes from, at least where the idea from this kind of comes from uh, as we get started. Now, I don't know how many of you know this, but anybody know what movie that's from? from Snow White. Now, now, Snow White was actually Disney's first animated feature. Anybody want to guess when Snow White came out, that movie? 1937. Can you believe that? 1937. It's like they had like color back then, you know, that's kind of amazing. But, uh, but, uh, but so they, uh, the, the, the movie Snow White, and it's based, of course, on a, on a much older story than that from the Grimm brothers. Uh, and uh, um, it, it's the story of this woman. She's a queen. She's beautiful. But she also has something fundamentally wrong in her heart. There's something broken uh, inside of her. And, uh, and so every day she goes before this mirror that she has, and, and she says something to the mirror. Uh, do you remember what she says? What does she say? That was really good. That's amazing. Although that's not what she says. It isn't. It's really kind of surprising. And just so you believe me, uh, here's the clip from the movie. Slave in the magic mirror. Come from the farthest space. Through wind and darkness, I summon thee. Speak. Let me see thy face. What wouldst thou know, my queen? Magic mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest one of all? Famed is thy beauty, majesty. But hold. A lovely maid I see. Rags cannot hide her gentle grace. Alas, she is more fair than thee. Alas for her. Reveal her name. Lips red as the rose. Hair black as ebony. Skin white as snow. Snow white. I didn't remember how creepy that was till I went back and I actually looked at that clip. But did you notice what she says? She doesn't say mirror, mirror on the wall. She says magic mirror on the wall. And all these years I had had it wrong and apparently you guys did too. Now we were already like a month into planning for the series when someone said, you guys know it's not mirror, mirror, right? I'm like, no, I didn't know that. So we're just gonna pretend it is, all right? <laughs> But, but the, the story is really important because it kind of gets at the heart of what we're looking at. This idea that every day she goes to the mirror and she looks in the mirror and, and she wants the truth. Day after day, she says, who's the fairest of them all? And the mirror says, well, you are, of course. 
except eventually her stepdaughter, Snow White, grows into a beautiful young woman whose beauty eclipses that of her stepmother. And the mirror speaks that truth, and it changes her life, doesn't it? In fact, it sets off the whole story. The question is, when we look in the mirror, do we really want the truth? Now, uh, I don't know if you guys like Shark Tank. I do. I love the show Shark Tank. There was actually a company that went on Shark Tank a couple seasons ago called Skinny Mirror. And, uh, and they put out mirrors where if you looked in the mirror, you actually looked a lot skinnier than you are in real life. In other words, the mirrors were designed to lie to you. Now, you would think that that's a great business idea, right? I mean, I did when I first heard it, but none of the sharks wanted to buy in. And in fact, I went back just this week to the website again to see how they're doing, because sometimes even though they don't get a deal, they still end up being successful, and guess what? They're, they're basically out of business. Didn't work. Because you might think that people want a mirror that will lie to them and tell them something that isn't true, but you always then know the mirror's lying to you, right? It doesn't really help. The fact is, we want the truth when we look in the mirror. We want to be able to look in the mirror and know what is really true about ourselves. And so over these four weeks, these next four weeks, we are going to be looking at four truths that may be hard to face, but are nevertheless true when we look in the mirror. This week, we're going to look at the fact that when I look in the mirror, what I see is I see a sinner. I see my sins. Next week, uh, we're going to take a look together at this idea that when we look in the mirror, we see our past, the good and the bad in our past. We just can't get away from it. Our past is there, and it's real, and we can't pretend it never happened. In in three weeks from now, we're going to look at this idea when we look in the mirror, if we're honest, there's some messy stuff in our lives, isn't there? There's some stuff we would rather not think about. And then finally, the last week of this series, we're going to look at this idea that when we look in the mirror, we may like to think that we are strong, but we're really weak. And, uh, and we're going to look at that. We're going to be really honest with ourselves every week, but there's good news because every week we are also going to look at the way God sees us, and we are going to see that God's perspective is different than ours. It's not a lie. In fact, you could argue that God's perspective is even more true than ours. And we're going to look at that good news together as well. So let's dive into week one. Um, When I look in the mirror, if I am honest with myself, if I don't have a skinny mirror that's going to lie to me, if I have a mirror that's going to speak the truth to me, when I look in the mirror and I say, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the most saintly person of all? The mirror is going to say, not you, Mark. Because when I look in the mirror, I see my sins. Now, now we tend to think about sins as behaviors, right? Things that we do that we know we shouldn't do. In, in fact, there's even the famous seven deadly sins, right, that you've heard about. Now, I found a really uh, kind of chilling picture of the seven deadly sins. I mean, if you've got to talk about sin, you might as well do it in SpongeBob world, right? Okay? But, but we talk about these, these sins, these things that we do in our lives, and the seven deadly sins kind of summarize them. There's lust, you know, looking at, at someone with lust in your heart. Remember Jimmy Carter, one of our presidents, uh, a very devout Christian, by the way, still a very faithful Christian, still teaches his Bible class every Sunday, uh, even though he's uh, getting on in years now. Um, but, uh, but, but he kind of honestly said to the press one day, 
well, I'm, I'm a man like everybody else. I, I, I regret the fact that when I look at women, sometimes there's lust in my heart. And the, and the press were like scandalized by that. And, uh, and I was like, he's just being honest, right? He's just being honest. There's, uh, there's gluttony, you know, eating too much. I don't have any problem with gluttony. <laughs> There's a skinny mirror at work again, right? No, and there's, there's wrath when we get angry. Um, and there's a difference, by the way, between justifiable anger when we're, when we're rightly angered over something, a, a wrong that needs to be righted in the world around us. And there's times when we get angry simply because we've been personally offended or hurt and, uh, and, and that bothers us. There's, there's things like greed, you know, wanting too much, wanting to have everything, wanting, it, confusing, I would say, confusing our wants and our needs, right? We say, I need that. And what we really mean is I want that. I don't really need it, you know. Um, there's, there's, uh, there's envy when we wish we had what others had. We look at someone who's been more successful than us or is more beautiful than us or is more talented than us, and we wish we were the ones getting the new $131 million contract to play for the Bears, you know, this year, right? There's, uh, there's sloth, which is, you know, just kind of kicking back and relaxing, even though there's work to do, uh, maybe taking that to the point of not just getting healthy rest when we need it, but, but, but going beyond and not doing what we know we need to do to get things done. There's pride, you know, when we look at the things that we have accomplished and we think that somehow they make us better than others. And we could, of course, go on. It's not just limited to those seven, right? But here's the question I have for you. If, if, if sin is all about our behavior, and if, and if it's about things like this, is it really that big a problem in my life? I, I, I mean, think about it for a minute. Is it really that big a problem that even though I had already had breakfast this morning, I stopped at the Dunkin' Donuts right up the street here and got myself a Boston cream donut before I came in here? Is it, I mean... And by the way, I wrote this sermon on Tuesday and uh, thought, well, cool, now I get to stop at Dunkin' Donuts on Sunday because I don't want to lie to them and say I didn't, you know, did that when I didn't, you know. So I actually did stop and get a Boston cream donut. I mean, but is it really that bad? I mean, yeah, it's not good for me. Yeah, I, I know I weigh more than I should and I'm working on that. Um, but is it really that bad that I had an extra donut this morning? Or, or is it really that bad that my last day off, um, I spent most of it in my recliner binge-watching Netflix and taking a nap? Is that really that bad? You see, if, if we just limit our concept of sin to some behaviors in our lives, when we look at each other in the mirror, what we're going to see is we're not really that bad compared to a lot of people. I mean, seriously, think about it. When you read the newspaper, you hear stories about, you know, politicians that have been so corrupt that they've, they've uh, people have lost their homes because their taxes are so out of whack because the politicians can't get it together. Now, now that's bad. You, you read stories about people that have actually pulled out guns and shot and killed people in anger or maybe not even in anger, as an initiation into a gang or something like that. You're like, well, now that's bad. Or, or you, you, know, you hear stories about, you know, people that have defrauded people in their companies and and people have lost their inheritances or their, their retirement money because of what those people have done. Now, that's bad. And so you look at all those kinds of things, and you go, well, there are people that do a lot of worse stuff than I do. And, and the temptation is for me to look in the mirror and even to be honest about my sins and go, you know what? I'm not that bad. Am I really that bad? But there's a deeper problem that the mirror reveals. 
Now, there, there's a, a pair of questions I like to ask people, and, uh, and you're going to have to stick with me on this for a minute, because at first you're going to kind of go, what? All right, so here it is. Am I a sinner because I sin, or do I sin because I'm a sinner? Am I a sinner because I sin, or do I sin because I'm a sinner? Now, think about that for a second. What I'm really asking you to think through is, am I a sinner because there are these behaviors that I do in my life that are sinful, and those behaviors make me a sinner, or... Do I sin because I'm a sinner? In other words, are the things that I do, like eating a donut when I don't really need one, or maybe being a little lazy on my day off when I have stuff I should get done, are, are those things just symptoms of a deeper problem inside of me? And that's really what I need to see. Well, let's see what God's word has to say. Great King David, who is, by the way, in, in God's word, considered a man after God's own heart, God says. David said this. He says, surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful even, he says, from the time my mother conceived me. So if, if, if I'm a sinner because I sin, then how in the world could a newborn baby sin? Or even before birth, he says, at the moment of conception. How can you sin. You can't. There's something else going on here, and, and we see it right in the beginning of the book of Genesis. It's really interesting. Uh, in Genesis chapter 5, it says this. It says, when God created mankind, in other words, when he first formed Adam and Eve, and he breathed life into them, those first human beings, it says he made them in the likeness of God. In fact, John 1, I mean, uh, Genesis 1, 27, we hear God say, let us make mankind in our own image after our own likeness. And, and, and we know what that means. That means that human beings were created with the capacity to love, just like God loves. They were created with the capacity to have free will, just as God does. They were created with the capacity to do good. But then notice what it says, because we know what Adam and Eve did, right? They didn't always do what they were supposed to do. And as a result, it says, when Adam had lived 130 years old, by the way, um, they lived a lot longer back in those days, okay? So don't let that number just freak you out, okay? Uh, Adam was still actually kind of a young man at 130, which is frightening to me, but anyway. Um, it says, when Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in God's likeness? No, in his own likeness, after his own image, in other words, what the Bible is teaching us here is the answer to this question, am I a sinner because I sin or do I sin because I'm a sinner? It's the second one of those. I sin because I am a sinner. There is a condition inside of me and it is called sin and I was born with it and my parents were born with it and their parents before them were born with it. We're born with this capacity to sin. We're born with this propensity to do what we shouldn't do. We're born, very simply, with selfishness. We were created to love God with all our heart and love our neighbors as ourselves. And yet the reality is, because of sin in my life, because of this brokenness that I was born with, the person, if I'm honest with myself, I love most of all is me. Let me give you one little example of how it, that played itself out in my life. A, a few years ago, my wife uh, had a little uh, medical condition, fortunately turned out not to be anything serious. Uh, but as a result, one of the first things the doctor told us was that she was not going to be able to drive for three months. Now, imagine what that was like for my wife. She's a very independent person. Uh, she's got a lot of, lot of 
places to go, a lot of stuff to do. Her car's got almost 200,000 miles on it. She's always on the go. And for her to hear in that moment for three months, no driving, it was devastating for her. And I was sitting right next to her. You know what my first thought was? Well, this is going to be inconvenient for me. I mean, honestly, it was. I, no, I love my wife. If there's anybody in the world that you would think uh, that my first thought would have been, oh, that's, so, that, that's going to be so hard for her. I feel so bad for her. I wish I could take care of that for her. If there's anybody in this world that you would think my first thought would have been selfless for, it would have been her. But honestly, my first thought was, crud, I'm probably not going to be able to golf after work on Thursdays now. <laughs> Maybe you can relate. The fact is, all of us, because of this condition that we're born with called sin, all of us, if we're looking in the magic mirror, and the mirror is telling us the truth, all of us would have to admit, I'm a sinner. I, I think of myself first way too often. And, uh, and, and I worry about my own needs more than the needs of others. And, and yeah, I love other people. And yeah, I love God. But if I'm honest, I love myself an awful lot. And that eventually hurts my relationships. It does. And uh, here's the worst part of all. Isaiah 59 tells us this. God, uh, or the prophet speaking to us on God's behalf says, your iniquities... Your sins have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. You see, we have a holy, perfect God. And, uh, and that holy, perfect God looks at us as sinful human beings, and he says, you're not what I created you to be. Not anymore. And, uh, and, and as a result, that relationship between us is broken. And sometimes we think of it as God is punishing us, but that's not what it is. It's simply God giving us what we've asked for. If you want to love yourself, go ahead, God says. And so if I said amen and sat down right now, you'd go home encouraged today, wouldn't you? <laughs> I don't think so. Fortunately, there's a part two to this sermon. In fact, every week in this series, there's going to be a part two. We're going to talk honestly about how we see ourselves, but then we're going to take a look at how God sees us. And here's the amazing thing that God's word says to us. It says, but God proves his love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. In other words, God doesn't look at you and me and say, hey, Fix the sin problem, and then we can talk. In fact, he does the opposite. While we were yet sinners, in our selfishness, God came to us, and he showed his love for us in Christ Jesus. And, and so I want to take a few minutes to just look at those verses that, that we read earlier in the service today. Nice job reading, by the way. Um, listen to a few of these phrases again. It says, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time. Let me stop there for just a second. What's the single offering? It's Jesus. It's the life he gave for us. Jesus, the perfect son of God, who was born in his father's image, not in a sinful human being's image. Jesus, who came to this world and never once committed a sin because there was no sin in him. 
He willingly gave his life. In, in another place in the New Testament, Paul writes this in Corinthians. He says, um, he says, he made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, become sin, and, and the word there literally means take on the, 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 the nature of sin, become sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Martin Luther called that the great exchange. God takes his perfect life, Jesus' perfect life, and gives it to us, and he takes our sinful life, and he takes that upon himself. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time. Think about that. God just hasn't made you better. According to Hebrews, he's made you perfect. And not perfect just for now, perfect for all time. I was thinking about that Adam lived more than 130 years, you know. I'm 60, I turned 60 this year. And uh, the thought that I'd have another 70 to go uh, in this body, um, with the stuff that I wrestle with in myself every day and the sins that I struggle with, the thought that I'd have at least another 70 years to go with that, that, that's kind of intimidating to me. And the thought, by the way, that I would actually live forever as a sinner that struggles with things like my weight and my selfishness and that, I, I wouldn't want to live forever like that. But we've been perfected for all time. I am going to live forever, but not like this. I'm going to live forever as a holy, perfect, forgiven child of God. Isn't that amazing? God has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And I love that because he says he has perfected. It's a done deal. And yet we are being sanctified. In other words, what we see in the mirror is someone who still needs to grow. And that's the promise, that we do get better that God is at work in our lives, that every day is a little bit closer to what we're going to be. But the promise is from God's perspective, it's a done deal. It's already completed through Jesus Christ. And then he says this, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Right now, when I do the right thing, Often it's because I thought the wrong thing, but I realized it wasn't the right thing to do, and I decided, okay, this time I'm going to be better than that, right? But he says the day's going to come where I won't even think the wrong thing anymore, where I won't have to worry about what I'm going to do. The fact is, it's not only written in my heart, I mean in my mind, but in my heart, it's just going to be every inclination I have is to do exactly what God had planned for me to do. I can't wait for that day. But here's the best part. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Someone told me a story once about a, a, a guy who uh, decided to go up to heaven and have a little talk with God. And he went in and he said, God, I, I, I got to tell you, I'm, uh, I, I'm really sorry about yesterday. And God said, what do you mean? He goes, well, he, he, you know, that, that, that stuff that I did, the way I treated my son, you know, he was disrespectful and I should have been patient with him and I should have recognized he's going through something right now. And instead I lashed out in anger and, and, I, and, I, and it ended up being just a big mess and instead of me helping him grow, I, 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 was, I was terrible. And, and then after that, my wife, uh, you know, she kind of correctly chewed me out a little because of how I had reacted. And, and so I, I didn't look at her and go, yeah, you know, you're right. I, I should have done better. And instead I said, 
said, who are you to tell me how to parent? I, you know, and, and then we got in a big fight and, and, and then I was supposed to do some stuff around the house that night and I was just so fed up. I just went for a walk and, and, and it was just, it was a horrible day. It was a mess. And God looks back at him and goes, I don't remember any of that. Are you sure? God says, I will remember your sins no more. The reality is, I remember my sins, but God doesn't. Isn't that amazing? God doesn't remember my sin. Another place in the Bible, it says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has removed our transgressions from us. Do you guys remember Jesus' last words on the cross? And by the way, I think you're going to get these right, not like the mirror, magic mirror thing, right? <laughs> Do you remember his last words? He said, it's finished. He, he didn't say, I've done my part, now you guys better get to work, right? He didn't. He just said, it's finished. That's why the writer to the Hebrews can say this. He can say, God has perfected for all time those who are being saved. That's you and me. And that God literally remembers our sins no more. When I look in the mirror, I see a sinner, but that's not what God sees. So here's the thing to take with you this week. First of all, I see a sinner. God sees perfection. And, and that means I would challenge you to learn to see yourself the way God sees you. Don't you love that picture? <laughs> Learn to see yourself the way God sees you as a holy, perfect, forgiven child of God. And then finally, learn to love yourself the way God loves you. Because that's really the challenge sometimes, isn't it? When I look in the mirror and I am honest with myself and I see my sins and I recognize that those sins are the sign of a deeper condition, something that's broken within me, my tendency is to not love myself very much anymore. But it's almost kind of a paradox. When we learn to be honest with ourselves is when we can truly love ourselves because we see ourselves the way God does. The... Uh, the wicked queen, she tried to fix it herself. And that didn't end up very well for her, did it? Right. We have a chance to know that it's already been fixed for us. And, uh, and, and I want to end by just reading those words one more time to you uh, from the book of Hebrews, the, the second part of our reading for today. Um, and, uh, and, and I want to just read these a little different translation than we heard before. And I just want you to sit back and just kind of listen to kind of the so what now that we know how God sees us. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we have. For God can be trusted to keep his promise let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not exact neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. 
By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting in him. Amen.